become misfortune. <laughs> I'm watching you. Hey guys, welcome to episode 45 of Macabre Misfortunes. What up, y'all? So Tracy, today we're going to cover Lizzie Brown Halliday. This is a woman that the New York Times described as the worst woman on earth in 1918. Oh my gosh, that's horrible. <laughs> well, That let, would hurt my feelings if people thought that. Let's learn how she came to be known as such a horrible person. Eliza Margaret McNally was born in Ireland in 1864. She moved to the U.S. with her parents three years later. There isn't a whole lot known, actually, about her early life, but there is plenty to be known about her married years. In 1879, at the ripe old age of 18, she married Charles Hopkins, who was also known as Ketspool Brown. I don't know how you have two completely different names. But he went by Ketspool Brown. The two had a son, they were living in New York at the time. He was from Greenwich, New York. Now, Brown died two years after the marriage. She then married Artemis Brewer. Now, he was a veteran of the Civil War for the Union Army. Thank he, you for your service. <laughs> he was also about 40 years older than her. Die. He died after a year of marriage. Okay, this isn't sounding good. Well, later in Lizzie's life, there would actually be some speculation about maybe neither of these husbands died of natural causes. But as of right now, there was really no speculation. Right. Okay. Lizzie then got into a relationship with Hiram Parkinson, but he left after a year. He actually could be one of the lucky ones. Mm -hmm. Good decision on his part. Probably. So with Hiram gone... Lizzie married for the third time to a George Smith. Wait, also, that would be the fourth time, wouldn't it? Oh, no, she didn't marry Howard. No. That's right. Okay, never mind. Go ahead. Well, this George Smith was also an older veteran. In fact, he was a friend of her last husband, Artemis Brewer. They actually served together. Well, are you starting to see a pattern? She yeah. likes old people. She does. So... And you'd think these people would be getting a clue. Well, they have no. How are you gonna know in the eighteen nineties? Now that was a friend of her last husband, but these other ones don't know each other. Well, that's true. That's they didn't true. keep records like they did in, did do now in the eighteen nineties mm -hmm. as to who's married and who's not. Well, she's a hussy. So after just a few months of marriage, she tried to poison him with a cup of tea with arsenic in it. He survived, but while he was in the hospital. She pretty much took every stick of furniture and anything that could be moved from the house, and she fled to Bellows Falls, Vermont. Of course, nobody knew her there, and they don't have, like, a computer you can pull up to see who somebody is. Well, didn't the police, like, was that a thing back then where they could have well, been Haley? They had police, but it's probably hard to track somebody down well, in the 1870s true. or 80s. Now, remember, this was late 1800s, like I said, there weren't exactly great records on marriage back then. So, while she was in Vermont, she met and married Charles Plaistol. 
She was with him for two weeks before she disappeared. Now, I said she disappeared. I didn't say he disappeared. I'm not exactly sure what happened to Charles. I don't know if um, he disappeared also or if she just left or what the reason was or if she stole something. I don't know. What I do know is she turned up in Philly and she arranged to stay with the McQuillan family. The McQuillans were neighbors of her family's when they lived back in Ireland. So she really wouldn't remember them. She was three at the time Mm -hmm. when they moved, but her family remembered them. Well, she became extremely close with the mother and daughter, Margaret and Sarah McQuillan. While she was living in Philadelphia, Lizzie opened a little small shop, but then she burned it for the insurance money. This was not her best work. Because she was figured out pretty quick and she was arrested and sentenced to two years at Eastern State Penitentiary for arson and for insurance fraud. After being released from prison, Lizzie traveled to upstate New York and she met Paul Halliday, which is her current last name at the time we're doing the story. Paul was a widower with his sons. I don't know how many sons he had, but he had at least two. He hired Lizzie to be a nanny and a housekeeper, but eventually he married her. Now, neighbors said that it wasn't a very good marriage, that uh, just kind of rocky, and they felt like that he married her only so he wouldn't have to pay her. (laughs) Well, I'm just going to say ahead of time, he would have been better off just paying her. Oh, no. (laughs) He obviously didn't know her track record with husbands. Apparently not. You're going to find his situation, though, is completely different than the others. You, you talk about a glutton for punishment. So, he's not going to end up like her other husbands right off the bat because Lizzie eloped with a neighbor and she stole all of Paul's horses. His horses? Yeah. This is the 1890s, so that was a big deal. Or 1880s. She steals all his horses. But the person that she ran away with, her or I guess some people could say that her potential next murder victim... He, uh, I guess, get wise to something she was doing, and he kind of left her right after they had gotten away with the horses. He pretty much left her, and she was arrested. Her attorneys argued that she was insane, and the courts agreed, and Lizzie was sent to an asylum. At this point, Lizzie convinced Paul to take her back and get her released from the asylum, which he does. So she ran off. With his horses and eloped with somebody else, basically, and he took her back. How did Lizzie return the favor? Well, in May of 1891, she burned burned down the house and the barn, killing one of Paul's sons, John. Now, she was suspected of starting this fire, and... It was known by many that she didn't like John. So she argued that he died a hero. He was trying to save her from the fire. But in the rubble, his door was found to be locked, and Lizzie had the only key. (laughs) Well, she didn't think that through enough, did she? (laughs) So like I said, first, I said she burned down the house and the barn. Well, she did. She burned down the house, but then she burned down the barn and a nearby mill after the fact. After the house. So they didn't happen at the exact same time. She then attempted to run off with another man, but she was arrested and sent again to the asylum. She was transferred to another asylum, 
who then pronounced her cured and released her. What in the world is happening here? Well, guess where she went when she was let out of prison? I mean, out of the asylum. Back to Paul? She went back to Paul. And he was an idiot. At this point, I've got no pity for him whatsoever. Never. Mm -mm. She's, she's already ran off with another guy, took all his horses, came back, killed his son, basically, burnt down his house, burnt down the barns, and a, and a uh, mill. And he took her back. By this time, he's rebuilt the barn and rebuilt the house. So she must have been in there for a little while. This wasn't an immediate thing. Neighbors did not like her, as you could probably tell. She wasn't the, the friendliest of people. And around August, neighbors started to notice that they hadn't seen Paul for a while. So when they asked Lizzie, she told them that, oh, he was out of town doing some masonry work. He was an older guy. He could have been out doing masonry work, but it didn't sound right. He had a farm and all this stuff. He didn't typically leave to go do mm -hmm. masonry work. So they neighbors actually went and told police that something weird was going on, and a search warrant was obtained by the police. The police check out the barn on September 4th, 1891, and they noticed some new bales of hay that seemed to be kind of out of place where they were. When they moved the hay, there was a hole. Hey-ho! Like, you know what I'm talking about where they had, like, if you had hay blocked up? Yeah, I But do. you pull one out, and it was like there was mm -hmm. an area. Well, behind the bales of hay that they moved, they found two bodies. Any guess who the bodies were? I do. I bet you're wrong. Well, so not Paul? No. I said two bodies. Paul His other one. son? No. I don't know. I gave you the chance, though. You would have never guessed. It was Margaret and Sarah McQuillan. The two ladies that she That's had stayed with oh. in Pennsylvania. Oh, oh, oh. Well, what the hell? I have no idea how that happened. So they end up in a barn up in upstate New York when they were from Philadelphia. I have no idea, but they were, had been shot. Well, they questioned her about the bodies, and Lizzie started acting erratic. She started tearing at her clothes, trying to take her clothes off. She was uh, talking incoherently, and they just kept her in custody anyway, and they thought, well, maybe she's just trying to set up her defense again of, mm -hmm. of insanity. A few days later... They're in checking out more of the property, and they're in the house, and they detect the smell. And Paul's body was discovered under the floorboard of the house. He had also been shot. Some people are just gluttons. So let's recap real quick before we move on. Her first and second husbands died within two years and one year of them being married. She tried to poison a third. She then kills Paul, his son, and the two McQuellan women. So we've got four for sure murders and possibly two more husbands with an, and at least a for sure attempt on the third husband. Lizzie was eventually charged with the murder of the two women and Paul, and she was held for trial in Monticello, New York. Now, her first few months there, she refused to eat. And this is something I had found interesting. So they had to force feed her liquids through her nostrils. With a tube? I, they didn't say with a tube. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> that does not sound fun. <laughs> she also set fire to her bed. She attacked the sheriff's wife. She tried to hang herself with the hem from the bottom of her dress. And then she tried to cut her own throat from broken glass from the cell window. She said she cut herself to see if she would bleed. 
That's what she said. Wow. The jailers were eventually forced to chain her to the floor. Now, Lizzie Halliday was convicted for murder of Margaret and Sarah McQuillan on June 21st, 1894. I'm not sure why she wasn't convicted for Paul's murder. I don't think it could be any more evident, but she wasn't. Oh, according to everything that I saw. Be kidding. She was sentenced to die in the electric chair. She was the first woman ever to be sentenced to death in New York's electric chair. The governor at the time, Roswell P. Flower, then commuted her sentence to life in a mental institution after a medical commission declared that she was insane. So she's out of prison again. Now she's in a mental institution. She was sent to Matawan State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, where she spent the remainder of her life. So was, was this actually the end of the story? Of course not. Hmm. Not even close. Well, she cut another break, I guess. She was actually listed as a model patient for about 12 years. The primary reason for this is because she became extremely close with a nurse by the name of Nellie Wicks. Lizzie did so well, in fact, that she was trusted with sewing equipment, which meant that she had access to tools, including scissors. Well, Nellie Wicks had a better employment opportunity and was going to leave Matawan. This deeply upset Lizzie. So after trying to convince Nellie Wicks to change her mind and to stay on board and not having any luck, she then followed Nellie into the bathroom with a pair of scissors and stabbed her 200 times. There you go. Lizzie ended up dying of Bright's disease, which is like a uh, kidney disease, June 28, 1918, after spending more than half of her life in the asylum. Yeah, she was so messed up. Can you see why they listed her as the most horrible person? Yeah, that's pretty bad. All right, so I like to give you strange facts. While Lizzie was, I got two strange facts for you today. How about that? So while Lizzie was actually in prison before and after the conviction, she became pretty much an international celebrity. <laughs> People were all over interested and what was going on with her, and who's this, and and the, the murders, and who she didn't kill, and, and suspected of her ex-husband. You know, all these yeah. different people she could have possibly killed. And But that wasn't the real reason that she became famous. I would give you a thousand guesses as to why she became famous, and you probably would never guess. The Sullivan County Sheriff at the time, in New York, where the trial took place and where she was arrested at, he started a new round of speculation that Lizzie was possibly connected to the Jack the Ripper murders. What in the world? No way. There was no connection ever actually made, but he did think that, and that started making headline news that she possibly could have been, because this was all kind of, you know, in that same Uh time frame. And when they asked her about it, she made the comment something like, um, do I look like an elephant? It would take a strong man to commit those murders, and I'm not that strong. Mm -hmm. So that was her response to that. Now, here's fun fact number two. There is some speculation that a Lizzie, Lizzie Williams, actually could be a suspect for the Jack the Ripper murders. So there is a Lizzie that is a suspect. But it's not this Lizzie. (laughs) 
<laughs> she was actually the wife of Sir John Williams, who was a doctor, so she would have had access to his medical equipment and probably have pretty good knowledge of anatomy. Probably so. Now, where this really comes into play, I was reading up on this, I didn't write this down, but Sir John Williams, her husband, apparently there's some missing diaries of his or something, but supposedly in these diaries, he had written himself that he thought she may have been Jack the Ripper. Oh, her husband? Her husband. But supposedly they can't find those diaries, and it's like, why are they missing? And so, But that's where the speculation comes from, but who knows? Interesting turn of events. It is. So, there you go. How about that first yeah, story? Yeah, like Lizzie is not a good name for girls. No, and they seem no, like they always got, get in trouble. You got Lizzie Borden. Mm-hmm. You got this Lizzie. And then you got the Lizzie over mm-hmm. there that, that speculated could be Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Yeah, Lizzie's not a good name to have. <laughs> that's that's definitely, definitely some serial killer type mentality. So, anyways, I thought that was a pretty cool story. It was. So, a lot, of, a lot of happening in a short period of time. She did a lot in her young life. Yeah, she, she was definitely, uh, she was ambitious to say the least. <laughs> so, all right, guys, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.